0: Good morning. good morning. Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? What a great crowd we've got this morning. I'm excited. Let's stand together. Will you take your red hymnal, please? Turn to hymn number 28. There shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. Let's sing of those blessings.
1: There, there shall be the showers of blessing, blessing. Blessings, blessings a promise.
2: Thank you, Brother Mark Black. He has been our uh, song leader, choir leader, and uh, bringing specials during our revival this week. We're finishing up this morning. Brother Richard Hamlin, uh, both of them are at Sharon Baptist Church in Benton. They've been helping us all week long, or most of the week, in revival. Uh, Many of you uh, got to participate, got to come to the Uh, Fish fry, that was uh, just, everything's been wonderful and great. If this is uh, your first time to get to see them, you're in for a treat. Uh, Both of them have been a huge blessing, helping us to refocus, get our eyes and hearts on the Lord. And that's what revival is all about. So uh, settle back, join in with the singing. I know Brother Mark will appreciate it and be a part of the service. It has been uh, just a busy, busy week and flown by. Uh, it has just uh, been a blessing. If you are a guest with us this morning, we are thrilled that you're here. Just enjoy the fellowship.
0: Oh, what a blessing it must be to hear this choir every Sunday. You do a tremendous job. Thank you so much, choir. Well, at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God above. Let's stand together. Take that red hymnal. We're going to sing a whole bunch of songs, but you know every one of them, okay? But just in case, we're going to start with hymn number 34. You got it? He keeps me singing. After that, we're going to just sing the chorus uh, real quick of three songs. Hymn number 359, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. Hymn number 400, Glory to the Name. And then we'll finally sing hymn number 33, Take the Name of Jesus with You, Precious Name. Oh, how sweet. Let's sing the glorious name of Jesus. Let's begin. Hymn number 34, He Keeps Me Singing. in my heart. job. Keep up the good work of the Lord. Jamie's going to come at this time. Where are you, Jamie? You're not coming alone, are you? All right. Y'all come on and sing. Uh, Bless us with this message and song.
1: source of help you know me better than I even know myself you know
2: Ladies, they did an awesome job, and all of the specials this week have been great. And I thank Brother Mark for all his hard work. Our speaker this morning has been Thursday night, Friday night, last night, which is there's no perfect time to have revival services. Sometimes you just have to. Okay, here we go, and and uh, we've said that before, but. Uh, is so true. And so if you've missed out this week, I know a lot of folks have a lot of things going on. I just want you to just say, okay, I want to, I want to get the message that God has for me right now. Because I guarantee you the Lord has a message for you this morning. And, uh, it's not my words. It's not brother Richard's words. It's a message from the Lord. So that's my prayer. That you would just take that and let him speak to you, uh, this morning. Brother Richard Hamlin, pastor of Sharon Baptist Church in Benton, Arkansas, is our evangelist. Pray for him, Brother Richard, after this special, come preach.
1: dark fire. no hope within hope.
3: Chapter 32 and verse 22, I'd invite your attention there this morning, Genesis 32 and 22. This morning we're going to be looking at a message I call Our Victory in Jesus, Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22. He arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed over the ford of Javok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent them over or sent over what he had. And then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word today Is my prayer. When we think about the victorious Christian life, we might occasionally wonder, well, exactly what does this look like? And we have before us this morning one of those marvelous Old Testament picture book kind of stories where God gave us a picture of the victorious Christian life. And we know that's what this is about because the Bible very specifically says that when uh, the Lord changed Jacob's name to Israel, uh, He said that you have struggled with God and with men "...and have prevailed. You've won the victory. You are victorious." And certainly as we would think back in our mind to what happened in Jacob's life, though there were still many dangers yet to come, many toils, many snares, yet over and over again we see Jacob living out the truth of that victory that God had worked in his life. And so this morning we're going to take kind of a whirlwind tour starting all the way back in Genesis chapter 25 of the story of how God worked in Jacob's life to bring him from that place where he was to where he was going to be, that Israel, that man who has struggled with God and yet has prevailed. He's won the victory and is living now and walking in victory. And the Bible begins then with the story of how that God chose Jacob, and you see that in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 23, if you want to turn there, and I'll set the stage for you. You remember that Isaac had married Rachel, and yet, yet Rachel was not able to conceive children. There came a time then when Isaac prayed to God and asked for a child, and sure enough, uh, before long she was pregnant. But then something was going on inside of her, and it was hurting. And so she cried out to God with a language that we might understand. Verse 22, the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? Lord, this is what I prayed for. This is what I've sought and what I've longed for. And I know this is your blessing. But why is it hurting? Why is it hurting? It's a very good question that she asked and one that you and I can identify with from time to time. But the Lord explained it to her. Verse 23, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the elder shall serve the younger. Now, we would know if we went on in the record and find out that, of course, those two boys were none other than those famous twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was born first. And the Bible says that he was born and he was hairy all over. And so they called him that. They called him hairy. He was born first, Esau. But then his brother Jacob was born, and when he did, he was born, in a sense, holding on to the heel of his brother. And so they called him Heel Catcher, Jacob. And the name came to mean one who was a trickster, kind of like our word, con artist or con man. The guy who trips you up, who catches you by the heel. That was Jacob. That was not only his name, that was his nature. But there, long before those two boys were ever born, God had made a choice. And God chose Jacob. Now, if you and I were to meet Isaac's boys on the street, we would all like Esau. Esau was a good old boy. He was. He loved to hunt. The Bible doesn't say he loved to fish, but I figure most people that love to hunt probably love to fish too. He was an outdoorsman. He was a good guy. You know, the Bible doesn't record a single lie that Esau ever told. Not a one. He was a good guy. He loved his daddy. His father favored him. He had a great relationship with his dad. If we were to meet Esau on the street, we'd all like him. Jacob was different. Jacob was what his name said he was. He was a con man. He'd just as soon lie to you as look at you. You never could trust him. He was not the kind of a person that anybody in their right mind would pick out for a friend. We would love Esau. We would not like Jacob. And yet God has said it. And it was going to happen. The elder would serve the younger. In fact, later on, God would go so far as to say, as He spoke of the nations that were born of these two, Jacob have I loved. So much did God favor Jacob. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. The love that God had and the favor and the blessing that he showered on Jacob made it seem as if Esau was hated in comparison. Now, anytime we think about this, we immediately think about that age-old theological question, you know, and there's a lot of debate about it today. I don't want to make light of it because, let me tell you something, Calvinism as a theological system is sweeping over this nation today. Our young people are being bombarded with it on the college campuses. I have absolutely no tolerance for it. And that's all the rant I'm going to give you today. (laughs) But there is an age-old question about it. You know, do we choose God because He chose us? Or does God choose us because we choose Him? The fact is that both are taught in the Scripture. But let's put this in a practical way this morning, all of you folks who are married today. Now, let's just ask a question. Now, let me ask you guys. Guys, did you choose your wife because she chose you, or did she choose you because you chose her? Well, of course, it is basically irrelevant because the fact is you both chose each other. Now, I've just settled a 400-year-old theological debate for you. Uh, does God choose us? Yes. Do we choose God? Yes. Both are taught in the Scriptures. Both. Now, where we go haywire is when we try to explain how those two things can coexist and we cannot explain it. Bottom line. We don't know how that God knows everything and yet He doesn't predestine or predetermine everything. We don't know how it is That God chooses us, and yet He still leaves us with that requirement of choosing Him. But we know it is true. Jesus said to the Pharisees, not you could not, but you would not come unto Me that you might have life. They made a choice. Come unto Me. You choose. Joshua said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. Over and over again then, the Bible teaches both, and that's really all I'm going to have. But we do have that amazing kind of phenomenon here in that God chose Jacob of all people. Jacob. I want to tell you what that means to you and I this morning. Because you see, there's a little bit of Jacob in all of us. There is. And God chose you as a Jacob. He loved you as a Jacob. But listen. He loves us too much to leave us that way. He chooses you. He loves you just as you are. But He loves you too much to leave you that way. And so the very next scene that the Bible presents for us is not only about how that God chose Jacob, but then how that God challenges Jacob because as the story plays out, and you'll remember it, you know, Esau came in from the field one day hunting, and he was hungry. thought he was going to die. I'm about to die. Jacob had picked, cooked up a bowl of, of, of stew. He said, hey, let me have some. And he said, brother, this is awfully expensive stew. Well, what do you want for it? Well, I want your birthright. Well, Esau didn't care anything about the birthright. The birthright was the opportunity to be the spiritual leader of his family. That's what that birthright was. It meant nothing to Esau. He didn't care about it. So when we look at Esau's or Isaac's boys, Jacob and Esau, we'll learn then, yes, Esau was a good old boy. Yes, he loved to hunt. He was a good guy. He loved his daddy. He was an honorable man, an honest man. But he did not care a lick for the things of God. Things of God meant nothing to him. And so he sold his birthright. The opportunity to be the spiritual leader to his family. For a bowl of beans. We might think that such things stopped with Esau, but they did not. Many a man in this country today is selling his opportunity to be the spiritual leader for his family for far less than Esau got for his. We can see that Esau made a bad choice. But if you're compromising your ability to lead your family, men... In the things of God. You're making a bad choice too. But Jacob made that decision. He and he then uh sold or bought out that birthright, and then God saw to it as things went on, as time went along. God was going to see to it that he got the blessing as well. Now I personally believe that Jacob and his mama decided to kind of Put uh, take matters into their own hands. If they'd have left things alone, the Lord would have worked it out in His own way and in His own time. Isaac was, after all, a prophet, and God has an amazing way of getting His word across to those prophets. But instead, Isaac, with his eyesight gone, you remember the story how that Jacob went out and killed a lamb and put it on took the fur, of the hide, and put it on his arms and 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 on his neck so that his daddy would be deceived and. And he asked him who he was, and he said, I'm Esau. And Isaac was puzzled because he said, you know, this is the name, the hands, the neck. I, I, I feel Esau. But I hear Jacob, and yet Isaac went ahead and blessed him. Esau, of course, was enraged when he had found out what had happened to him because the blessing was important to him. That meant that he would get a double portion, you see, of all of his dad's inheritance. That was important. And in fact, he was so enraged that he promised, as soon as dad's died, as soon as dad's gone, I'm going to kill you. You're not going to get anything. Now, long about that time, they decided that it might be a good thing for Jacob to go visit his kinfolks. And he left out going to his uncle Laban's house. We'll get to that in a moment. But as he left home for the first night to spend the night away from home, away from his mama, away from his dad, away from the protection of his family, now he's out on his own. And there on that night, he had an encounter with God. And he would describe that encounter and say that I have been in the house of God, Bethel, he called it there in Genesis chapter 28. Uh, chapter uh, Verses 12-15, through 15, I was in the house of God, he said, and I didn't know it. I was in the presence of God and I didn't know it. But there that night, with the pillow for a stone and the, the stars of the heavens above him, he went to sleep and he dreamed a vision of God. And he saw that there was a living link, a living ladder that is between this world and the next. And he knew the one then who was that link. And he understood then that the God of Abraham, his father, and the God of Isaac, or the God of Isaac, his father, and the God of Abraham, his grandfather, could be the God of Jacob. And there that very night, he received the truth of that living link between this world and the next. He was changed. No doubt about it. (laughs) Anything that had changed Jacob into a tither, I'm telling you, he had an encounter with God. That's what he promised. Read it for yourself. He said, uh, from here on out, Lord, 10% of everything I've got is uh, going to belong to you. There are a lot of people who think that tithing was a part of the law. Listen, tithing was around a long time before the law ever started. Abraham did it. Now we have a record of Jacob doing it. And that was that promise that he made to the Lord and how that God was going to be his God. And so there was a time, that very pointed time, when God reached out and God touched Jacob's life and God challenged him in the midst of his situation. But isn't it amazing how many wonderful experiences we can have with God and be fundamentally unchanged? God challenged him. Jacob responded. Came to know the Lord in an own own very personal way. And yet he's still going to go away being Jacob. And so for 20 years, God was going to work chastening Jacob in the home of his uncle Laban. Now, if there was ever a tight-fisted hand on the grindstone, it was his uncle Laban. And if there's ever a case where God paired up somebody with somebody who was just like him, Because for 20 years, God was going to hold Uncle Laban up in front of Jacob and said, This is the kind of man that you are because they were just alike. Now, if there's one thing that you and I learn as parents pretty quickly, it is that the things that we usually struggle with our kids the most about is when they're acting like we act and we don't like it. That's the bottom line. It's a struggle. The things that we like least about ourselves we see showing up in our kids and oh, it just infuriates us and enrages us. How many mamas have said to their daddies after a time of frustrating disagreement with one of their sons, Well, he's just like you. Boy, that blesses my heart every time my wife has ever said that. <clears throat> Moving on. For 20 years, God was going to hold up Laban as an example to Jacob. This is what you are. This is what you're going to be if you don't change. Now, the Bible will mention two specific areas where Laban brought Jacob under the chastening of God. And that's really all that I can call it. And we see it, first of all, in the matter of his wives. You see, Uncle Laban had a daughter. Her name was 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 uh, Rachel and 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 so we see how that uh, uh, how that Jacob loved Rachel. I believe I said Rachel earlier, and I was, uh, was talking about Rebecca uh, was actually Jacob's mother, uh, but he loved Rachel and 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 he agreed then that he would work for his father, uh, future father-in-law Laban, uh, for seven years. For seven years. Uh, so that he might have the opportunity then of marrying Rachel. Well, the Bible says that the time just flew by because he was so much in love with her. And, you know, seven years just seemed like a few days. But I can guarantee you he had marked the date on his calendar. And when the seventh year was completed, he went to his father-in-law, then Laban, and said, "Okay, I have worked those seven years, and it's now time for me to marry your daughter. Give me Rachel, as we agreed. And he said, well, son, that's all fine, but you're going to have to get married according to the customs of our country. Well, <laughs> Jacob was perfectly fine with that. No problem. Well, what are these customs? Well, you know, it's going to be really dark. And, and the bride, of course, is going to have to be heavily veiled. You can't take the veil off until the next morning. That's the way it's going to be. But, but, you know, just some custom things. Nothing big. No big deal. Of course, you know how the story goes. <laughs> Jacob woke up the next morning and found out he had married the wrong woman. Now, there's a lot of men in the world who have felt that way from time to time. None of them, of course, are here today. But in his case, it wasn't just a feeling. He woke up and lo and behold, he had married Leah instead of Rachel. Of course, Jacob was furious. How could you have done this to me? We agreed on Rachel, not on Leah. How could you do this? Well, you agreed, he said, Laban said, to get married according to the customs of our country, didn't you? Oh, yes, I did. That's right. He said, well, you see, here in our country, read it. Here in our country, we respect the rights of the firstborn. Ouch. Ouch. The firstborn has to be married first. So we married Leah. Already had. He married Rachel. So the first area then that God chastened Jacob was in the matter of his wives. And the second area was in the matter of his wages. Uh, Jacob would later say in his confrontation with Uncle Laban after 20 years of service for him, he said, you changed my wages 10 times. Every time they made an agreement, you work for this, then then God would bless that. And Uncle Laban would come back with a new contract. And every time he gave a new contract, God would change the blessing and just saw to it over and over and over again. And yet here was this man, time after time after time, doing his very best, by hook or by crook, whatever it took. He was going to take advantage of Jacob. And it was only the intervention of God that saw it to where Jacob did not leave, as he himself said, with nothing, as a pauper. But God had intervened and blessed him in spite of himself. And he had learned, he had learned that, you know, you can wheel and deal. You can do all of this other stuff, but the bottom line is, unless the blessings of God are on your life, it's all going to be in vain. Have you been successful in your life? Has God blessed you in some ways? Then for goodness sakes, give Him the glory He deserves. It is God who gives us the power to get wealth. It is God who blesses us. It is God who gives us the opportunity to work, the ability to make a living, the ability He leads us in making the good choices. For goodness sakes, for God's sake, for the glory of God's sake, always recognize and realize that it's His blessings on your life that allows you to be successful. Well, after 20 years, of course, we come to our text. We're not going to spend very long this morning here, although I could. After 20 years, then, it's time to go home. The angel of the Lord has said, it's time for you to get out of here. Go back to your home country. I'm going to bless you there. But as Jacob turned his hand to go home, After he dealt with the problems with Laban, there was one thing on his mind, and you and I know what it was. My brother Esau. Last time he saw Esau, Esau said, when dad's dead, I'm going to kill you. Well, dad's gone. and As he is headed back then to his home, all he can think about is Esau. What's going to happen with Esau? Then somebody comes to him with the message that he dreaded most of all, Esau has heard your coming and he's coming to meet you, and he has four hundred armed men with him well, Esau or Jacob starts sending out all of these things to Esau and all these gifts hoping to appease him, and yet it comes down to it. I mean the night is setting, and the morrow is going to bring Esau and his four hundred men to him and And Esau, or Jacob makes all the preparations he can. He sent all the gifts out that he could. He sends his family over across the creek and he sits there alone and he sits down at night, all by himself. And there's where our text begins tonight, today, all by himself then. Suddenly out of the darkness, somebody jumps on him and begins to wrestle him. Now, if somebody walks up to you and hits you or slaps you, you've got a choice. You can hit them back. You can turn around and walk away. You can go tell the teacher, tell the preacher, tell your parents, whatever. you got a lot of options if somebody walks up to you and hits you. But if somebody jumps on you and wrestles you to the ground, even if all you want is to get away, you've got to fight. You don't have any choice. Now, we'll have to read over into the book of Hosea chapter 12, and you can do that on your own time. And you'll learn there that this was indeed the angel, and that's a reference to the Jehovah angel. And that's why the New King James, out of which I read today, has all of this title, all of this transcript, Uh, about this man and and he and what he said is all capitalized because it is a theophany, I believe. Now, if your pastor disagrees, I want you to side with your pastor, okay? (laughs) But I believe this is a theophany. I believe it's an Old Testament appearance of the Lord Jesus Himself, the angel of the Lord, the Jehovah angel, very often was exactly that. And so here's Jacob all by himself and suddenly... Somebody jumps on him and wrestles him to the ground. Now, who do you think that was that he thought? Who do you think he thought it was? Now, Well, he could have thought it was just some kind of an armed desperado, you know, somebody coming along, jumping on him. I personally think he probably figured it was Esau or one of Esau's men. I guarantee you what he didn't think at that point in time was, oh boy, here's the angel of God coming to bless me. But as the night wore on and they began to fight, there were several things that played out. And you see, first, first of all, the end, that this is a moment of confrontation. As the angel of the Lord came to Jacob and said, this is it. We're going to have it out. Jacob started off that night, the Bible very plainly tells us. He started off that night wrestling to get away. But before the night was over, he was wrestling to hold on. I will not go unless you bless me. Somewhere in the night, Jacob figured it out. He was dealing with the Lord. And to his eternal credit, he decided somewhere during the night, I'm going to stop trying to get away from him. And I'm going to hold on and get the blessing that he's here to give me. If you as God's people, if all of us, if me as one of God's preachers, could simply learn that lesson today, we will have learned a profound life lesson Because for some reason, there is something in this fallen, frail humanity, this human life that we all live out. There is something in you and something in me that makes me want to run from God. There is something in us when God starts to convict us that causes us to want to resist. We think He's here to hurt us. He's come to help us. We think He's going to be here to burden us. He's here to bless us. And it's time for you as God's people, in whatever way this plays out in your life, to realize that when the Lord says, it's time for us to do business, that you need to stop fighting. Stop running. And submit to Him. Hold on. There's a blessing in store. God has a way. Of tracking us all down. Elijah would tell us, God's not intimidated when you set out to run. (laughs) You want to run? Here, let me bake you a cake. You're going to run a long time if you're going to run from me. The journey is very long. It's going to be, it's too big for you. You want to run from God? Go ahead, run. Let me help you. He baked him the first angel food cake. Run all you want. When he got there, who was there waiting on him? <laughs> you want to run from God? You can run. You want to wrestle with God? Wrestle! But sooner or later, I can assure you, if you're one of God's children, He is going to back you up in a corner and latch on to you and wrestle you down and make you deal with whatever it is that you're not want to deal with. And you'll think that God's there to hurt you. He's not. He's there to bless you. That's that confrontation. There's that matter then of identification. What is your name? Now, do you think that the Jehovah angel had just jumped on somebody without even knowing who he was jumping on? Of course not. It wasn't the angel who needed, it wasn't the Lord who needed to know who it was. It was Jacob. You see, the last time in the Bible that we find that somebody asked Jacob that question, what is your name? He said, I am Esau. But this time, He's ready to tell the truth. This time, he's ready to deal with what's really going on. I am Jacob. I'm Jacob. I'm a trickster. I'm a con man. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a man who's lived by my wits my whole life. Yes, God, I'm Jacob. And when he got that right, when he dealt with who and what he really was, Then he said, No, you're not. You're Israel. You're a prince of God. You have power with God and with men. You have prevailed. That matter of identification. You see, really, that's what all the wrestling match is usually all about. We don't want to tell God the truth about ourselves. Took Jacob all night. Sometimes it takes years. Years of running. Years of fighting. Years of failure. Before we'll finally just sit down with God face to face. Yep. Lord, I'm just a Jacob. You're right. So there's the confrontation, there's the identification, and lastly, there's the transformation. No, you're not Jacob anymore, you're Israel. As a prince, you have favor with God, you have power with God and with men. You have prevailed. You have experienced the victory. That was it. He asked for his name, wouldn't tell him. Moved on. As the Bible says, as the sun came up, Jacob was walking away, no doubt crossing the little brook of Javok, going back to his family. And you see him. He's limping. Who is that? It's that's, that's Jacob. They look like... He can't hardly stand up. He can't hardly walk. Look at him. He's all beat up and bruised and bloody and scratched. Man, he looks like he's been in a dog fight. Jacob, what happened to you? I met the Lord last night. I fought Him. All night long. Until finally he broke me. So he could bless me. And I'll never walk the same anymore. And you see that old man limping his way through the rest of Scripture. Over and over again, you'll see him leaning on that staff. I mean, he's walking with a limp. Leaning on the staff for the rest of his life. Prophet of God. Prince of God. The man who's won the victory. You look at him and say, now wait a minute. That doesn't look like any victorious Christian I've ever seen. That's not what I expect of victory in Jesus. To look like. But I'm here to tell you this morning, folks. You want a picture of the victorious Christian life? Here it is. It's a man who ran from God, who lived by his wits. Who avoided the truth about himself for years, but one day he met the Lord face to face. They headed out. And he was broken so he could be blessed. And the fact is, you get around and you look at any Christian today that's living in victory. And if you're around them long enough, and if you look at them long enough, you'll find out that they all listen. They all walk with a limp. They've all got a scar. Where the Lord broke them so he could bless them. They all do. In their own way. may not be as dramatic as Jacob's. But in their own way. They've all had that time. And some of them have several times. Where they had to stop running. And start submitting. A couple of things I want to share with you before we go. There's a lot of God's people who think their problem is Esau, and it's not. Their real problem is with God. And when they get right with God, they'll find out that Esau isn't a problem at all. A lot of times, the problems that come in our life are just the things that God is using to get us around and hem us up and close off all the doors and... Hinder up all of the avenues of escape and get us down to where we're willing to do business with him. And there's some of you this morning, maybe a bunch of you, that need to stop wrestling and stop running and say to God, Lord, I know you brought me to this place and I'm going to hang on until you give me the blessing, there's a blessing in store, and I know I need it, and I'm ready to submit. The other thing I have for you today is when you're fighting with God, who do you think's going to win? Do you really think that angel couldn't have stopped that fight any anytime he wanted to, huh? You really think? When you're wrestling with God, we know who's going to win. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. And how bad the break is going to have to be before we give in. But the good news is, is that when God wins, listen, when God wins, and He will win. We win too. And I thought I lost. Yeah, you lost. And when you lose to God, you win. Let's stand together, please. Father, we thank you for the time we have to gather around your word today. Bless its truth to our hearts. Help your people now to respond in a way that's pleasing to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Mark's going to lead us in a time of invitation. Your pastor standing before you, this altar is here. Some of you have come into this service wrestling with God. You can go out of this service walking in His blessings. You may be walking with a limp. That's okay. In your own way and in God's own way, He sees it. That's really all that matters. But you won't walk the same once the Lord has His way in your life.